Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Elwyn Hayslip IV, who writes fantasy stories for 9 to 15-year-olds. He grew up in a small town in New Hampshire and has been writing since he was incredibly young. He has written 14 books, three of which have been published, and he plans to write 50 novels for his series, The Yither Chronicles. Welcome to the show, Alwyn. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Yeah, we're going to have a wonderful journey. So you grew up in, did you grow up in New Hampshire or do you live in New Hampshire? Yes, yes, I did. You grew up in New Hampshire. What was it like growing up in New, New Hampshire? It was great. I always liked going for hikes in the woods, and uh-huh. my dad used to take me mountain climbing and mountain hiking, I mean, and we have a cabin up north that we go to once a year for three days. It's a lot of fun. Yes. And what else did you do? What else did I do? When you were growing uh, up. Yeah. When I was growing up, my grandparents had a cottage on a lake, and I would always go there in the summer. Uh huh. Me and my brother would always go there in the summer with my mom and my dad. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And what did you do? Boat, swim, catch fish? Well, my grandfather had a, had a motorboat and we would go out on that. And right. we would swim and we would build sandcastles. Yes. Wonderful. That sounds wonderful. And uh, so you are an author. How many books have you written? And how many of those have been published? I've written 15 books, but three of them so far have been published. Wow. So tell the audience a little bit about your process when you're writing. Do you write every day or do you wait until you have creative thoughts and then record those? Well, I try to write a thousand words every day. Wow. You'd be the envy of a lot of authors. Well, I have everything written down beforehand. I just have to working into a story right okay i wasn't expecting that i'm an author myself and i write when i get information that i need to record you know from my creative source so but that would be a big discipline is to make myself write a a thousand words a day because that would be the discipline right Because then when you show up with pen and paper, what I've heard actually from authors is that when you show up every single day, then magic starts to happen after a while, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, here's what I do first. What I do first is I write down all the events that are going to happen in the book on paper. I write them Uh with pen on paper. 
Then I work those into a story when I type them. Yes. And the average length of one of my books is, well, as a basic Word document, it's 500 pages. But when it gets edited down, it's more like 250. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, so you do the outline. Yep. Of it. So talk to us about how you develop your characters. Well, my characters. Because I really like how you introduce your characters. So tell us about that. Well, for a long time now, I have had the idea of a few of these characters in mind. For example, um, for example, mm-hmm. one of my characters, Coleus, has been with me for a very long time, and I've been trying to figure out a story for him to fit into. Abby is a relatively new character, but she's the main character. Yes. The characters are a lot of fun to write about because because they they're parts of my personality, you know? Yes. Like, for instance... You have Abby. She's adventurous and likes to explore. You have Coleus, who's optimistic and kind, but a little bit naive. Then there's Matt, who is superhumanly strong, but is kind of uh, a coward. They're all special for different reasons. Yeah, of course. I love that. And what about the other characters? Okay, Latimer is a wizard. He's mysterious. Yeah. And he has a lifetime of learning behind him. He's very good with magic because he learned it his whole life. And then there's Blustro, the wind spirit, who is very loud and very brash. And then finally, we have Kayla, who is another human, like Abby and Matt. And she is uh, she has a bit of an anger issue, but she's also um, very brave, very brave. Yes. That's awesome. And so tell us a little bit about the book. So the audience has an idea of what these characters are doing. The first book? Sure. This one with Abby in it. That's the one that we're, yeah, the one that you're talking about with the characters in it. Okay. The first book. Right. So it all begins when Abby and her friends discover an old tablecloth with a strange map stitched into it. And this map is actually a gateway to the realm of Yither, the realm of living dreams. Yes. But it's not the only gateway. After they're done after they're done passing through it, they have to find another one. So they get sent to many realms, many strange realms inside Yither, and they have to figure out the secret of the lost Jester King a mysterious being who went missing a long time ago and whose return is needed to save the world from an evil wizard. Fans of Chronicles of Narnia will be very happy with these books because they're basically, they're kind of the same thing, (laughs) except different. They have a different number of characters, different characters and different, a different setting. Mm -hmm. And so you plan to write a few of these books. Yes, yes, I do. Uh huh. I plan to write fifty altogether. Okay, so each book is around two hundred and fifty pages. Yeah, each book is around two hundred and fifty pages. Do you do any sketches in the book? Oh show? no, no, I leave the characters and setting completely up to the reader's imagination. Oh, wonderful! I just describe it really well. Yes. Now you started writing at a very young age, did you not? Well, I started recording my dreams at a very young age, and that's what you is made of. Dreams I've actually had that I've recorded when I get up in the morning. But I've been recording my dreams ever since I was a little boy. 
At first, I tried drawing maps of them, but then I realized it is very difficult to draw a map of a dream, so I wrote them down instead. That's fascinating. And as it is, I have, let me see, 758 dreams in my collection. My goal is 1,000. Well, you're a genius. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I interviewed, um, I don't know if you know Gary Lockman. Um, he, his book that I um, interviewed him with uh, this year was called Dreaming Ahead of Time. And uh, Gary Lockman has about 25 published books. He uh, lives in England. And so, you know, that is a real gift when you when you dream and you dream characters and you dream situations. And then the, the key to that, maybe people do that like you do, but the key is you have to record them, right? I mean, if you didn't record them, you couldn't remember, you know, 758 dreams. Yeah, I have a process for that. I write them down to pieces of construction paper first. And then when I have 10 pieces of construction paper, I type up a five-page packet, and then I put it in my vault. And I mean, there's dreams in there that are never going to make it into my books. Like, I don't have enough time to I was going to say, you don't have enough time. <laughs> Not to write all those, but I have enough, I think, to write 50 of them. Yes. If each book has 10 dreams, we're going to estimate, then I can write 50 with the first 500. Now, when you're dreaming, are you dreaming in color or are you dreaming in black and white? I dream in color and it's weird, you know, ever since uh -huh. I was a little boy, I've been able to dream in with more detail in my dreams than I've ever seen in real life. Yes. Like more vivid than photographs. Ever since I was a little kid, I've been able to do that. And so what I do is I write down the settings of the dream, not the characters. Sometimes I put in a couple of monsters. A lot of my dreams have monsters. But often I'll just uh, write down the landscapes or the challenges. But the characters are completely original. They don't appear in my dreams. The six characters in my story, I mean. The yes, happy, yes. holiest Matt, Kayla, Latimer, and Blustera, they are, I made those up. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about them is there are three couples. Each of the girls is dating one of the boys. So cool. you have Matt and Kayla, who are a couple, uh -huh. Abby and Latimer, who are a couple, and Coleus and Blustera, who are a couple. And these aren't, I shouldn't say this, actually, because because I want the readers to experience this for themselves, but it's really just a magical story. And yeah. Each book is a journey. Wonderful. So when you're dreaming, do you have any flying dreams? Flying dreams. No, I never fly in my dreams. However, I sometimes imagine that I'm underwater and can jump really high. Ah, you're underwater and... You know, when you jump underwater, you come down a little... I mean, when you jump underwater, what happens uh -huh. is you go up higher than you would if you were on land because the water is buoyant. Right. So sometimes in my dreams, I feel as though I'm underwater when I'm really on land. Ah, uh, okay. That sort of feeling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not well, flying. No, no, it's not flying. Well, I mean, it's interesting. And, it, you know, it's remarkable that you dream in color and that you dream all of these things, write them all down. I mean, people who do things like this are the greatest people in the whole world, right? 
They're the greatest people in the whole world. And what I mean by that is they record. And that's the biggest thing is recording your dreams and and knowing, you know, they're to be used intuitively knowing that they're to be used in a book, right? Or shared. Yeah, well, ever since I was a little boy, I have admired the great surrealist masters. Okay. Tell us about that. You know, uh, Lenora Carrington, uh, Giorgio de Chirico, Hermes Bosch. Bosch wasn't really surrealist. He was pre-surrealist. Salvador Dali. I don't think M.C. Escher counts as um, counts as surrealist, even though his work is pretty surreal. But uh-uh. I especially like Lenora Carrington. I have this book I read about her life. It was incredible. She went through so much. Isn't that she was in, engaged to Max Ernst for, for a while? Max Ernst, the famous painter, and they lived mm-hmm. together in France. Mm-hmm. It was a really great story. But then World War II broke out. And, well, Max Ernst was a German-speaking man in France during World War II. So he was kind of judged harshly. And, well, you'll have to read it sometime. It's great. It's about, I mean, Laura Carrington's mm-hmm. life, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you become inspired by reading these books, surrealist Surre- books? Surrealists? Yeah, they inspire me. Giorgio de Chirico it was actually a metaphysicist he was into metaphysics not surrealism which is kind of the same thing and i don't exactly know where the line is between metaphysics and surrealism but there probably is one mm-hmm. i mean and everyone knows Hieronymus bosch and uh he was that really scary medieval painter <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he, he painted monsters and stuff do you think they came to him in his dream Yes, I'm certain of that because when Bosch was a little boy, his entire village burned to the ground. And from that day on, he had horrible post-traumatic stress and nightmares about fire. So he was really good at painting scary stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. consider myself to be like Bosch. I, my, my dreams are a lot happier than Bosch's most of the time. Mm-hmm. But the process is the same, though, Alwyn, right? Yeah, the I process mean... is the same. I don't paint, though. I do paintings, but they're not of dreams. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the process is the same. And a lot of our great inventors, a lot of our great, well, inventors, writers, artists, poets, all those people, they dreamed ahead of time, and they dreamed things, and they came true. And so the more they dreamed, and the more they came true, the more they paid attention to their dreams, and they would record them. And once years ago, I was, you know, doing a lot of singing, and learning how to play guitar. And I woke up in the night and I had a hard time getting back to sleep. But I woke up and I had the melody of a song. And it was really good. That's what I remember. And you know what I said to myself as I was trying to get back to sleep? What? I will write that down as soon as I get up in the morning. I lost that. I never, I wrote a singer songwriter at the time, and I never was able to capture that melody or that those words again. And so, but I didn't know it wouldn't be there. That was the first time that I had woken up with a melody and, and words to a song, not realizing that unless I wrote it down, it would be gone. And so that's how I'm really amazed that you have been a student to your dreams, basically, and that you have recorded information that a lot of people like me missed. 
because I thought I would remember and I didn't remember. My dreams linger for days sometimes, and sometimes they're gone as soon as I wake up. I can't really control that. Yes. But it's not every dream I have that I remember, just many of them. Yes, just many of them. Well, enough yes. that you can write a book with. <laughs> I learned something interesting. Do you know that famous poem, Kublai Khan? You know, at Xanadu to Kublai Khan, a stately uh-huh. pleasure to free. That poem came to the guy who wrote it in a dream, and it was supposed to have 50 verses. Ah, but he could only remember a few of them. So he, he woke up and started writing it down. And I didn't know that until I read it in a book. And <laughs> it's amazing. Like, even I can't normally see text or hear poems in my dreams. It's mostly images. Yeah, from those images, though, you're able to create the words that go with the images, right? I try to describe them as best I can, but some things just defy description. <laughs> Well, it's so elusive when it's in your dream, and those things can be really hard to describe. I've heard of people flying in their dreams. I've only flew once in my dream that I can recall. Maybe I'm flying all the time. I don't know. But I uh, have only done that once. That's why I asked you if you had some flying dreams. I've never flown in my dreams, but that thing where I feel like I'm walking underwater, I get that a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And does I, it scare you or does it fascinate No, you? no. It just, you know what the weird thing is? In my dream, I accept it as normal. Yeah. There are things in my dreams that I would never accept as normal in real life that I accept as normal in the dream. Yes. And yeah. there are recurring yeah. elements in my dreams, elements that come back again and again. And like, for example, let's see, what's one recurring element I have? Uh-huh. Oh, the great unwritten Dr. Seuss book. Okay. I'm a, I loved all the Dr. Seuss books when I was a little kid, and I've read uh-huh. all of them almost. So often I'll dream, and when I dream, there will be this book, this Dr. Seuss book. Usually it has an orange cover with yellow letters, and when I open it, I see all these amazing images that could have been if Dr. Seuss had written it. But then I wake up, and I can't remember any of them. Ah, I can remember that there's an unwritten Dr. Seuss book, though. So I finally, after having that dream enough times, I finally realized if I want more Dr. Seuss books, I'm going to have to write them. But I won't write them in the form of illustrated children's books. I'll write them in the form of uh, young adult novels. Oh, I see. Yes. That's a good idea. You know, I'm always reading something. I'm always reading a book. I have over 500 books in my room. Yes. That have all, all that I've read, and I'm still collecting. Every square available inch of wall space in my room is covered with bookshelves. So what types of books do you read? What are um, the variety? Usually fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. Usually novels with a fantasy theme. Yeah, it was great. I have lots of great novels. Oh, this one here is a science fiction. I'm in my room right now, so this yes. one here is science fiction, but... I- I have a few science fiction, yes. and I have a few classics. I have over here. I have War of the Worlds, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. Uh, up there, I have the Time Machine. Yeah, classics. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. So you live in that world. Yes, I live in that world. Yes, the world of writing, the yes. world of reading, the literary world, so to speak. The literary world. Yes. 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 
I have a lot of books too, but a lot of my books, as soon as Audible come out, a lot of my books are in Audible. And I listen, I do a lot of driving. And so I listen wherever I go and feed my brain all the time, just feeding my brain all the time with information. And it's just wonderful. And stories too, right? Yeah. Have Have you read any of Arthur C. Clarke books? Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke. C. Clarke. Yes, yeah. yes, I yes. have one right here. Childhood uh-huh. End, great book. Chi- childhood, oh, sorry, Childhood Ends? Childhood's End by Arthur yeah. C. Clarke. It's about, yeah, that's right. It's about aliens who come and invade the Earth, and they rid mankind of all the things that plague us, you know, war, poverty, that sort of stuff. Yes. And then at the end, well, I can't tell you how it ends. You might have to read it. It's a very scary book, though. It has a very scary end to it. I or scare a very easy. Book. You do? I scare really easy. Well... It's not necessary. The end could be seen as scary or it could be seen as enlightening, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I won't say it's a bad ending. I will just say it's a very strange ending. A strange ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, so close to what I guess. Well, science fiction always is what could the world become, right? Well, it usually takes place in the future. Yes, it takes place in the future. Yes. Did you read Fahrenheit 451? Yes, I did. And yes. that's another scary book. It is. It's scary. <laughs> scary. Yeah. I read especially, it. <laughs> especially considering as how it encompasses my worst fear. Well, one oh, of them. Yeah. You know, oh, yes. one of my worst fears is, well, like Hieronymus Bosch, I have always been deathly afraid of fire because yeah. it destroys books, plain yes. and simple. Yes, that's right. So with that said, now that we get a flavor for what you like, have you read any books of ancient times? And the ancient masters of the East, for instance, and those types masters of Masters of the East. Yeah. Well, I have this book here that says Oriental Adventures, but that's Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, I've got anything else. Oh, I have this friend who is really into Dungeons and Dragons. My brother is, too. Yes. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to build camaraderie. Let's see. Ancient Masters. Do I have any books about ancient masters? Um, like the Kabbalion or the anything like that. Well, I have, no, I can't say I do. No books about the ancient masters. Well, I mean, your books are uh, written sort of in present day, right? You do have some. Yeah, they take uh, place in the present day. But, yeah, that's right. Um, but you got to keep in mind that either is a few hundred years behind us when it comes to technology, because their right. greatest technology is the steam engine. That's all they got. And because they diverted away from technology to study magic. So they have more advanced magic, but their technology lags behind, kind of. Right. So sort of like an Anne Rhine's novel? I don't know. No. Okay, that's fine. So you've uh, said one of my favorite words at least half a dozen times, the word magic. Tell us about that. That is my favorite word. In my story? Magic in my story? Okay. Well, technically, only one of my characters uses magic. That's Latimer. He's a magician. All the others manipulate energy by either from their own bodies or from the environment. But Latimer has the ability to cast spells that produce lightning, ice, fire. He has the ability to produce things like ropes and wood out of nowhere. And he can uh, even produce food, which is unusual because in Harry Potter, if you remember, they weren't allowed to do that. You couldn't make food. But why not? in my story, the rules of magic say you can't produce processed ingredients. So you can't oh. produce bread. You can only produce like wheat and eggs to make the bread, but you can't produce the bread. 
Okay. So there are limits to what you can and can't do with magic. And one of the greatest ways to design a character is to give them limitations. Because when you know a character's limitations, you feel like you truly know that character, everything they're capable of. Like, for example, we know we know that Abby's power controls fundamental light. But we also know that her power can't affect anything transparent because light passes through it. Yes. Or that there are certain elements in the other that are immune to magic. And uh-huh. Latimer can't affect those. Or... Blustera, for example, a wind spirit can't survive being trapped in a vacuum. Those sorts of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you really want to know the inspiration for all this, I read this series called, um, you're familiar with Legos, right? Yes. Well, in 2001, Lego made this great series, this great story called Bionicle, which is a story of six elemental heroes, each wielding an element of nature, who go on a quest to awaken the great spirit. And it's a great story because, again, it's got camaraderie, it's got terrifying villains, it's got challenges that must be overcome. And I ended up collecting a ton of those books. I don't think I have any of the toys anymore, but (laughs) (laughs) I still have the books. And so you were inspired. I was inspired. My six-person team was, yes, inspired by Bionicle. But you'll notice I didn't give them each an elemental power. I gave them each a unique power, but not elemental. Right. The reason for that is because I feel like the four elements or six elements thing has been really played to death. Like, there's always been elemental heroes. Like, this is the Bionicle Legends series. Yes. This is the first book in the series. And these are the books that really inspired me to get going on the other Chronicles. Because I've always loved stories of teams of heroes rather than one individual hero yes <clears throat> even harry even harry potter had his friends and oh yeah so i assumed did percy jackson although i gave the percy jackson novels a chance okay uh-huh. and i for whatever reason i didn't enjoy them they're great right. books i just didn't enjoy them so i yeah i mean it's just i mean you can't like every series that everybody writes because you have you know, you are looking for a style that resonates with you. And... Well, I read it. I read every book I buy. And if mm-hmm. I don't like it, I donate it to the book sale that we oh. have every year in our town center. At the town center. So, you know, you said a couple of times about inspiration, uh, inspire. And I wrote down the word inspiration. I'm really glad that you've connected your inspiration your, by reading books and other materials and your dreams and all of that, because, you know, when I want to be inspired and probably, are you still doing some hiking, some outdoor things like to... Uh, not not really, only not in the really. summer. Only, yeah, in the summertime. But, um, you know, what mystifies me is when I go to an art studio or I go to a museum. I love museums. I, Yeah, I am touched uh, to my very soul about the greatness that people have and that those artifacts have been saved and they are on display for, you know, this day and age uh, to go and view it. And I am truly inspired by all of that work. And uh, so I'm really glad that you touched on that because it is important to be inspired. Um, Some people are inspired by music. And I am inspired by music, too. And, uh, you know, I can listen to a song and then have 
ideas about different things and write those ideas down. And sometimes they end up in a post and sometimes they end up in one of my books. So thank you for sharing that. It's important for other artists to know that, um, that uh, we all pretty much have the same process. Uh, We just do it differently. But I'm really fascinated about your dreams. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Cymatrex. And today we have the absolute pleasure to be speaking with Elwyn Hayslip IV, and he's talking about his new novels that he has out and he's going to let us know how we may purchase them yeah if you want to buy my novels you can buy them in gibson's bookstore in concord new hampshire or you can go online to barnesandnoble.com gibsons.com or booksamillion.com and buy them there oh and also amazon but amazon only has the first two amazon has the first two are they available at writers republic Yes, they are. Yes, and they're also available there. Perfect. And so do you have a website or a place where people can reach out to you, or do you just want them to buy your books? I have a website, but I don't visit it very often. I'm too busy writing. So, You're too um, busy writing. I yeah, love I know. That. I love and, that. Um, it's a cool website. It's got graphics and stuff, but I mean, like, I mean, it's good, but. Yeah, I let's mean, send them to it. What's the name of it? I think it's. Elwin Hayslip author.com. That's E L L W Y N H A Y S L I A P author.com. Yes. I have tons of different books. I have autobiographies. I have classic collections. I have the divine comedy by Dante Alighieri, the complete poem. I have, uh, I have Marvel comics collections. I have, yes. Oh, Downstairs, I have my dad's entire um, collection of Marvel graphic novels, which he left me. And, oh, here's another classic, From the Earth to the Moon by Jules Verne. Sorry, I'm off topic. Well, the Mar- no. well, the Marvel, well, the Marvel books are incredible, and now they're, you know, they're made into movies and all of that. So, my and dad I, loves I the love movies. them. Pardon? Yes, I do, too. My favorite mm-hmm. is, I don't know, I like Doctor Strange. My favorite scene is the one at the end where, where he's like... <laughs> He walks up to Dormammu and he's like, I've come to bargain. Yes, I've come <laughs> to bargain. He does it again and again and again and again. I love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's some really good, been... yeah, there's some really good teachings in those in some of those movies. And I really like them, too. It's one of the things that we go to the theater and watch because I want to see it on the big hey, screen. As I was saying, yeah, I've collected all sorts of different books over the years. I even have old newspaper comics, you know, Calvin and Hobbes, uh, Gary Larson's The Far Side, and just so much great stuff. Yes. Uh, can you tell us what extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? What extraordinary discovery have I found? Dreams aren't meant to be kept to myself. I'm meant to share them. That's one of the discoveries. It's not really so much a desire it's more of an obligation at this point i do desire to share them but it's more it feels like an obligation feels like i have these amazing dreams and i don't want to keep them to myself well that's wonderful that you acknowledge that you have an obligation so yes. that's uh, people who feel that they've been uh, guided have those feelings that they have an obligation to do what they're doing right to help people and to whether it's entertainment or helping people enlighten 
right? Yeah. Do you feel that you've been called? Called? That's a tough question because ever since I was a little boy, I have had this fascination with dreams, but not just any dreams, my own dreams. I feel like it'd be cheating if I use someone else's dreams. Although, and bear with me, there are some episodes in future books where I borrow a concept from something I loved when I was a child, like a favorite childhood movie or something, but I don't, I don't do it verbatim. I just use the general gist of it yes, and put all the original stuff in. So, but I mean, it's really an homage. I love doing homages to things I loved as a kid, but anyhow, do I feel like I've been called? Well, um, ever since I was, like I said, ever since I was a little kid, all I wanted was to record my dreams and I did maps of them. I drew maps and I tried to uh, express them in handwritten stories, but it was only recently that I learned how to type on a computer. Okay. And that really streamlined my production process. Um, mm -hmm. So the main thing about my stories is I am trying to bring back the, through my dreams, I am trying to bring back the feeling that I got when I was a kid from watching 90s era Saturday morning cartoons on Saturday morning. Uh -huh. See, these days, kids can watch their streaming services. Kids can watch what they want whenever they want. They don't have to wait for Saturday morning like I did. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that something is lost, you know, because Saturday morning used to be very special. Uh-huh. Yep. The Saturday Anyhow, morning cartoons. Yes, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons, exactly. And when people read my books, they'll understand what I mean, especially if they themselves were 90s kids. But 90s kids really aren't the audience I'm looking for. I'm looking for basically the same audience J.K. Rowling had, 9 to 14, 9 to 15. Oh, yes. You know, the same time I got into reading novels. And so what did you do in the beginning? Did you go to the library and choose some, or did you buy all of them? What, novels? Yeah, the novels that you started reading. When you started reading well, novels, would you go to the bookstore, or would you go to the library and take them out? I would go to the library and take them out originally, uh -huh. but later on I would go to the bookstore. I have all these great novels. Like I have The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. That was my first novel, the novel, first novel I ever read. Great story, great illustrations. But my favorite novel of all time, and I think I should mention it while I'm on the air, is uh, Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. Okay. It was recently, not recently, in the 2000s, it was made into an animated film by acclaimed film legend Hayao Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And it's a great movie, but the book's so much better. It's great. It's a romantic comedy. It's a fantasy romantic comedy. So it's like, well, anyone who's read it knows it's about this girl who gets cursed into a 90-year-old woman by an evil witch, and she goes out to find the one wizard who can lift the curse. And it's just funny because this wizard is like a total jerk. He's he's rude. He's unpredictable. He He's manipulative. Mm -hmm. It's a really great story. So it's a romantic comedy set in a fantasy world. I once tried to write a book like that, but it didn't get very far. This is before the other Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Did you read The Alchemist? No, no. And you're the second person to ask me that. I, no, I didn't. 
Yeah, that you would love that adventure. It's uh, it's a really great adventure, and it's profound as well. So that's what I would I would recommend if you haven't read that would be The Alchemist. It's also an audible, but oh, you like cool. to read, so yeah. Yes, I do like to read. Uh, do you feel that you've been called or crafted your journey? That was one of the things that I wanted to ask. Oh, right. Called or crafted. crafted my a little of both, a little of both. Uh-huh. I've been working on the concept that would eventually lead to the Yiller Chronicles since I was old enough to hold a crayon. And at first I tried just drawing illustrations of my dreams, but then I realized that, I mean, it's a lot easier to write them down with words. And I have a great vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I won at least two spelling bees. Yeah, wide spelling bees. Yeah. Yep. I got the trophy right here. Um, let's see if I can reach it. Yeah, I got the trophy right here. Fantastic. Well done. That's for 2000. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, I mean, job. yeah. So writers, that's one of the wonders of writers is they are word smiths. They know how to put words together. Well, I try my best. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the show and talk about your process and your love of books and love of reading and writing and the other chronicles. So where did that name stem from? Yither. Well, if you rearrange the letters in Yither, you get uh-huh. you get a word that's almost like Earth. And there are other worlds in in Yither that are anagrams of earth okay in book two we learn of a world that's an anagram of earth but i can't say much because i don't want to ruin it for my readers yes that's right well it's a wonderful word it's a catchy i loved it when i read that yither chronicles it's awesome so thank you very much for being on the Rhonda grant show it's been a pleasure having you aboard and i hope to talk to you again thank you you're my pleasure. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.